0: Morning, everyone. Good morning. Friends, our reading is long, and next week's reading is going to be long, and the, the readings are going to be long up until the Easter Vigil, and the Easter Vigil having the longest amount of readings. Um, so, patience, My friends. Um, all of the scriptures today are filled with so many things, and I have been trying to cover as much as I could. Um, so, we have this story from John's Gospel, uh, this account. In John's Gospel of a man who was born blind. And it's another incredible image of Christ and what he does in the world. And it's filled with many, many things. In this account, it illustrates that John's Gospel always goes from light to dark. Uh, The war against good and evil. And uh, he presents things in these ways. And this is what's happening today. Uh, The blind man illustrates one who... Physically cannot see, but will begin to move and will begin to see through the eyes of faith also. And at the same time, those who can see physically and should know better, uh, they are going to be kept in spiritual blindness because of their hardness of heart. So we see this encounter of a man born blind, and he makes no request of Jesus. In other places in the scriptures, the person wants something. In this case, there isn't uh, anything. And Jesus is on his way to be crucified. So there is this sense of urgency, and perhaps this is why Jesus doesn't wait for someone to ask him. He takes action. And uh, Jesus, who is the light of the world, knows that this is coming for him. And he's desiring in a more urgent way for people to recognize. the recognize that he is the Messiah, more so he wants recognition of his Father. And... Um, We hear Jesus um, goes up to the man. There are people all around him, and Jesus doesn't do this in secret. He does it very publicly. Other times he he heals someone, tells them, Shh, don't tell anybody, and just go your way. This is not what's happening today in John's gospel. And Jesus smears clay on the man's eyes and tells him to go wash in the pool of Siloam. Uh, That word in particular means scent. Uh, what you need to know, and I don't yet. Yeah, you do need to know this in order to understand what's happening. Siloam means sent um, in a in the Hebrew. Uh, it has is even more nuanced. It means flowing water or living water. Remember last week, living water that Jesus talks about. The the government of Jesus's time built um, a waterway from another place, and it goes down into this pool. So that's why they were calling it. Flowing water or living water or water that is sent from one place to another. Jesus, wanting his father to be recognized uh, in the world, that's why he came. And Jesus will tell us, You have eyes, you need to see, you have ears, you need to listen. And uh, in John's gospel count, uh, Jesus is looking for a response to his father. And not just any type, he wants one that is filled with joy, not with fear. He wants one to have living faith and not just the stale thing about just not breaking the rules. And uh, we see in this account, um, the man's neighbors are divided over what's happening or what has happened. And they actually question uh, ridiculously this man who didn't just come to this town. He has probably lived there his whole life, the blind man, with his family. So the people know who he is but they're questioning, oh, he looks like the man, maybe he's not the man. Maybe he wasn't blind ever, and he's just scamming us. Really? His whole life? Scamming you. The blind man is not acknowledged in his society because they consider him to be a sinner. So if anything, they would throw the money at him because he's a beggar. They wouldn't go near him. They can't touch him. So they might throw money. You see what I'm saying? I don't think the man's scamming anybody. He's blind. But uh, even his parents are worried, they're worried because the synagogue officials will excommunicate them. And so this is why we hear this story about, uh, talk to my son, ask him himself. They basically threw their son under the bus um, out of fear. Uh, They weren't willing to testify. And uh, then we hear the Pharisees, they uh, consider Jesus to be a sinner. Why? What did Jesus do that he was a sinner? He healed somebody well, he made a mud patty that's work. Healing somebody is work. Do you see the ridiculousness of what's going on? Those are not why God put those laws into place. So um, the man born blind who encounters the light of the world, Jesus, Jesus sends him. Here's where the Siloam word comes in. Jesus sends him To the pond. This pond of water is where everyone goes to wash before they can walk into the temple. So he's not alone. There's a whole bunch of people there. So Jesus is getting real public about things now. And uh, so he goes. And for the first, for he's gone to this pool before, but now uh, his eyes are covered with mud. And father looks and he thinks the man's born blind. Now he has mud on his eyes too. And Jesus says, "Now go yonder." Jesus, will you help me get there? (laughs) So someone must have helped him to get to the pond. Um, But he goes, and on this occasion, different from the others, uh, he washes his face. He takes the water, which he can hear and he can feel, but he has never seen it because he's been born blind. He finally takes the water and washes. He does what Jesus tells him. I think this is also about obedience. Is Jesus going to check? Will he be obedient to what I'm telling him to do? The man does what. Jesus tells him to do, go and wash. He goes and he washes, and for the first time, not only can he see the water, he can see the beauty of the water, he can see the beauty of a sunshine, he can see the beauty of God's creation. And, my friends, in a pool of water, especially a pool that's still, meaning it's not being moved, it's like a mirror, so for the first time, he can see himself in the reflection. And for the first time, he looks up and can see people. God's creation also, even though some are not nice. And then, for the first time in his life, they see him. Remember, they don't acknowledge him. They don't want anything to do with him. He's a sinner. But they can see him now. You see all the things that are going on. And... Um, Now this man is on a new journey. He's being sent on a new journey. Just his being sent to the pond, and when he comes up and he can see, becomes a testimony for so many. And as we see, they're all divided. We don't know what's going on here. And in John's account, there's a gradual progression of the blind man's faith. First, when he's asked, who did this to you? He says, "Uh, some man named Jesus. (laughs) I don't know who he is he's blind he didn't i don't know just some man and then they take him to the pharisees and we already know what the pharisees the pharisees are angry uh, at jesus and they're jealous and they have hardness of heart they are spiritually blind the pharisees interrogate the man and the man's faith begins to grow stronger because then he'll take he won't say just jesus he moves to prophet this man is a prophet of god And when ultimately the man is interrogated more and humiliated, um, it was in that moment that he, and they put him under oath, they say, give God the praise. That is, in English to us, that's put your hand on the Bible and swear by God. This is what they're they're saying. We want you to swear by God your testimony. And um, he does so. And the Pharisees, before he can speak the Pharisees accused Jesus of being a sinner. He broke the Sabbath. He made a mud (laughs) paddy. And then the truth of everything comes to the man who was born blind, like a flash of lightning. And with great courage, the man stands up. He knows what they're going to do to him when he's about to say, they're going to throw him out. But he takes a stand. He testifies, and with courage, he tells the truth. And then, furthermore, he says, It is unheard of that anyone, who ever opened, that anyone ever opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he would not be able to do anything. He's schooling the Pharisees. A man who is born blind, who has never seen the world, Is schooling them. Now they're really angry. And here's where the clash happens between light and darkness, between doubt and between uh, faith and between hardness of heart. And the man born blind moves then from the darkness that his neighbors have and the Pharisees and even his parents. And he moves closer to Jesus by testifying to him. So uh, not only was he sent to the pool, but he is, in a way, being sent to the Pharisees to testify. He is but a step away from full, life-giving faith. It's not to the end of this story that we hear that he comes full circle on it. At the end of the story, uh, Jesus hears that he has been humiliated and thrown out of the temple dedicated to God, and Jesus goes to find him to see if he's okay. And then he says, do you believe in the Son of Man? And, of course, the blind man's like, who is he? I can see. Who is he? Because I was blind. I can't see anybody. (laughs) But Jesus says, do you believe in him? And he says, I don't know who he is. Tell me who he is. I am he who is speaking to you. Ah, I do believe Lord. You see, he went from this man named Jesus to a prophet. And then the end, he says, Lord, the key word, Lord, Lord means God in their, in their language, as it does to us too. So now he says, I do believe, Lord. I do believe you. This man comes to fullness of faith, not just in words, but in actions we are told he kneels before Jesus and worships him. Doesn't just thank him, worships him. My friends, for us, the word of God For people who are unbelieving, the Bible and all of its books or the Word of God, they just see a bunch of words, a nice story, perhaps even fiction. But people of faith don't see it that way. They see the very living Word of God. And so when the Word of God is put before us, in the same way that that man looks into the water and sees a reflection, the Word of God is put before us. And we look into a reflection also and um, my friends I think if we're really honest with ourselves we may not see ourselves in that image when God's Word is held up against us to look at as having all that much courage like the blind man meaning he testifies but more like the nervous parents we don't want to get involved we're nervous, we're afraid, we're not going to testify, we're just going to sit on a fence and see what happens. People want to avoid the uneasy consequences that comes from standing up to the truth and testifying to Jesus Christ. That man born blind, he had the courage, he had living faith and he did this. The Pharisees and his neighbors and his parents, here's the Here's the hard truth of this reading also. The Pharisees, some of the neighbors, and his parents were left in spiritual blindness. A place we do not want to be. And with his grace, we do not have to be there. So, my friends, that is the theological pinnings of John's gospel. But there is a very practical piece to this. The first thing that Jesus does is he addresses sin. Because his apostles say, ooh, who sinned? That man was born blind. He is being punished. So did he do it or did his family do it? Did his mom and dad do this to him? You know what that is? Curse. Is he cursed? First of all, no. No, there's no curses. And? Jesus is going to put aside the idea that because he is sick, he has committed some kind of sin. This is the prevalent thought of the day, and Jesus said, It is not because of this, it is not because of that. Uh, he said, But God will take this opportunity so that light may come through him. The Hebrew translation is, uh, So that light would come, the works of God would be lightened up. And so, my friends, um, we have to put that notion away from us also because sometimes the world has not done good with this even though it's been in the scriptures. Last night I pointed out in the 80s when HIV AIDS come that was people condemned them and while maybe people make bad choices that was not a condemnation. The scriptures refute that type of mentality and we did not do well as a Christian community and then when COVID came, I was beginning to see the same type of mentality coming again. But Jesus and the scriptures pointed out that that was not punishment, that was an illness. And then in Jesus' time, did you see what he did? He took all these things. He took mud and made patty cake and stuck it on the eyes. And there's spittle too, but uh, that's just kind of weird. (laughs) But I mean, but It's all these things. And then Jesus, we heard in the first reading, they used oil to do something. Jesus, when he would, after his resurrection state, he came and he used fish, and he used water, and he used all these things. What are these things? These things are just common things. Common things. And for me, as a priest, I saw this as medicine. A thumbs up from Jesus about medicine. Medicine is good, it's a gift from God, and it's meant to soothe and to heal. But when medicine is used to destroy life, it is a perversion of the gift. And those who are in the medical field who use it to destroy life and cause harm, if this world won't hold them accountable, God will hold them accountable for misusing his gift, as he will with any gift that is misused. But medicine is to be used, and it is for goodness, and it is to help us. That's what all those things are. But the other thing is, um, Jesus, he took mud, and as soon as I saw, he took mud and he formed something. Immediately, we should be hearing Old Testament. In the beginning, God took clay of the earth, and formed it. Guess what we are? On the one hand, we're just kind of common. We're, you know, we're flesh and cells and stuff like that. But Jesus uses common things to work miracles through God, for God. So here we are, mud patties, (laughs) to be used. In the first reading they saw David, David was the youngest. I don't, I don't understand the whole good-looking thing. <laughs> that's kind of weird to me. But someone pointed out, Father, if you go and look at the Hebrew, it meant wholesome. David was wholesome, because it sounds like he's like a model. But uh, I was like, I don't know, that's just weird, I don't know what to do with that. Um, but uh, he's the youngest and probably the less, most ignorant, but that's the one God wanted. Because to the world, he didn't look like the person who was supposed to be. That happens again when Jesus comes. He doesn't look like the Messiah. So people rejected him. Then Jesus would pick his apostles, and they didn't look like they were going to be prophets. I mean, come on, there's a tax collector. Ooh, that evil tax collector. And it still happens. People look at what we do and say, it's just wine and Wheat. But through the eyes of faith, it is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. It is the most healing remedy of all because that heals human death. Through this, we have life eternal. You see what I'm getting at? The things, but here, let's get back to us. Us mud patties. We too have medicine. We, too, have good medicine. When I was pastor in Marysville, I was pastor of the Native American parish, and they would say, Father, you come. You, you come, and you bring the good medicine. And what they meant was my very presence. You come and speak to us. You come. They killed some of our people. Come. What did I come with? Joy about the resurrection and about the dignity of the people. And you can do the same thing. You have that medicine within you. The second reading told you, you are children of light. You are to do all goodness. Not just not break the law of God. To do more. Jesus said, no, I demand more from you. You will do good. You have the ability to stand up and testify. You have the ability To go to someone who is suffering and give them the medicine of your encouragement and your words and help them and to walk with them, those who are suffering the loss of a loved one. You have the ability to show compassion. That is medicine. If someone is sick, mind, body, or spirit, you have the ability to help them and to defend them and to bring them uh, to a place of peace. This is medicine also. So here we are, mud patties, filled with goodness, And Jesus does this. When we get to heaven, we can ask him why we do it that way. But for now, you are his disciples. He expects you to bring that medicine by forgiveness, by encouragement, by protecting, by helping those who are suffering in mind or in body. We may not be able to cure the cancer, but we can walk with them and give them that encouragement. This is what he wants. But, my friends, there's something else that perhaps I fail to do as pastor um, often is to thank you, to thank you. You have chosen Jesus. You have chosen to be here. Now, kids, maybe mom and dad make you come. But you have chosen to be here. You've made the right decision to come. You're trying to get closer to him. You're trying to work on that relationship. So thank you. Thank you for choosing him. Thank you for coming and working on this relationship wherever you're at in your spiritual level. Thank you.